Hey friends, this is Shadima, also known as the Type A Hippie, and this is the Type A Hippie Podcast, Cheat Cast, episode 38. Boom. I am on with a guest that many of you loved from before, and I always get like a verbal confirmation so that my guests can't get out of it at a later time that they'll, ret- <laughs> that they'll return. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not above the bribe, so <laughs> everyone... Welcome back, Stephanie Moores. Oh, hey, girl. Hey. I I was, like, waiting for the studio audience to, like, applaud. but <laughs> The hands <laughs> applaud. Right? I remembered right. we're not big time like that quite yet. So, <laughs> so welcome. So, I'm so, so glad you came back on. So what? <laughs> Okay, friends, this is how it's going to roll. This is, and then there's awkward silence. This so. is how it's going to go. I just have a feeling. So, um, oh, no, I was just welcoming you back to oh, the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Chidima. My pleasure. So, Seth, if no one heard your last appearance, <laughs> <laughs> who are you? Oh, my gosh. And, guys, it's so funny. We talked about this on... Um, my last podcast for Chidima was over there with me. Mm-hmm. And I was saying, like, it's just so funny because I'm so, like, I have a little bit of, like, self-deprecating in me. And I feel like the question, tell us about yourself, is so awkward. Mm-hmm. And so the, if you heard our last conversation on the cheat cast, you know that my about me was all the bad things about me. <laughs> like, I, I get a little, like, um, I don't know, and then I just tell all the bad things. So I'm going to try not to do that, I guess. Um, no, you're not. You're going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I am uh, a 500-hour yoga instructor. I'm a mom to three really cool kids. I live in Phoenix. Um, I do a podcast called Love Activist, and... Um, yeah, sometimes I blog at my website, not as often as I used to, but also I do essential oils. She, Dima, and I share that. That's a love we share. Yep. And um, yeah, I guess that's me in a nutshell without all the bad things. You can listen to the other episode of the bad things. <laughs> totally. Well, that's good. Yeah, you are pretty rad and badass, so... Yeah, we have that in common. We have podcasting in common and uh, Mm -hmm. yoga and just social justice. So Steph and I decided to come back together. Um, She recently had me on her podcast, and we were just talking about microaggressions. So definitely listen to The Love Activist. I am caught up to date except for one episode, so I didn't listen to last week's episode. Um, But I've listened to every other one, and they're just so good and so real. Thank you. And I love your heart and that you actually love humanity as well and it, it, it shows. And so we were talking about talking today about the work and so we oftentimes and we have another friend, uh, Gina, whom we both have interviewed. So Gina's episode is by the time you hear this episode, you will have heard Gina's episode if you are following along on this journey. And we talk about work. And so it's not in the sense of going to your nine to five if you have one or, you know, working from home if you have the privilege to do that. Um, Or even the work that you do as a parent or as a partner. It's the work you do for yourself as an individual, which inevitably benefits you and benefits those around you. Yeah. So... We just wanted to dig into that because a lot of times people don't understand or don't know what that means. And so I guess I can start and then I will um, tag you in, Stephanie. It's like for me, there's a lot of things that I do on a regular to be a sane person. And so a lot of it starts with spirituality and spiritual growth. Um, And it's not as defined as it once was, which is a beautiful thing. And so... The divine kind of guides me along this path. And so I will say that a little over 10 years ago, I had a spiritual experience, a spiritual awakening, if you will. 
And that path has been a really interesting one for the last 10 years. And along the way, that's where I met Steph through yoga and um, similar spiritual views and just friendship. And I've worked with Gina and she's a grief counselor. I've worked with uh, a family marriage therapist um, that helped me kind of hone some skills for me in terms of relationship, like romantic relationship, but also familial relationship. And just done some like workshops, like with that therapist who group workshops that she does with a lot of Brené Brown's books, um, specifically Daring Greatly. So it's called Daring Way and then Rising Strong. Um, so it's the Daring Way um, kind of programming. Uh, for the book Daring Greatly and Rising Strong by Brené Brown. And just like other things that kind of come along the path, meditation has been really key for me. And yoga, like specifically yoga, but other movement as well, because I feel like yoga has, is a moving meditation. And so as I teach students, I talk about that as well. Um, but it's been a beautiful epiphany to be able to kind of see we were talking on the pre-call um stephanie and i about um some texts that we both hold true but has morphed and changed in terms of how it relates to our lives and so i don't remember exactly the address but like i think it's either in colossians or ephesians and it talks about sober judgment and I'm grateful that I have people in my life that care more about helping me grow a day at a time than about my feelings. And so it doesn't eliminate the need for compassion, right? Truth without compassion is brutality. But they'll call me out on stuff like, mm, yeah, no. <laughs> and I'm like, what? You know, but who I am today compared to 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Stephanie mentioned on her podcast, I think it was episode five, like if the you of today, if the you of 10 years ago doesn't think the you of today is a heretic, something's the matter. Like something's, something's wrong, right? Like, cause you're exactly the same. Um, and so being able to take feedback, constructive feedback by people who actually care is definitely something that I've learned over the years. So what does work look like for you, Stephanie? So I would say, like, um, I actually started kind of deconstructing my faith really slowly about 13 years ago, but I think I fully committed to the work about five years ago mm -hmm. when I did Mending the Soul, yeah. which is like a 13-week kind of small group intensive. You work with a trained facilitator, and it's for anyone who's experienced any kind of abuse in their life, which is everyone. That's in reality, like everyone has experienced something. And um, that's where I met Gina. She was my Mending the Soul facilitator. And she helped me. Um, and kind of what was happening at the same time is my husband, um, his addiction had been just growing and growing and growing. And we had finally separated. And up until that point, the only thing we either we both had eyes for in our marriage was the addiction and abuse because it was so front and center. And then once I got some distance from him, I started recognizing me, like my codependency, my own patterns and behavior and the things I participated in and, you know, just the unhealthy aspects of me. And that was super necessary in order for me to start moving forward. And I was just telling Chidima that this week I had read and posted on my Instagram an Elizabeth Gilbert quote, and it was something like, I've yet to see a life transformation that doesn't begin with the person in question finally getting tired of their own bullshit. Right. And that's the damn truth, because there is no work to be done if you're not tired of your own bullshit, because the work is internal. Right. And nowadays, what it looks like for me is... I meet with Gina every month and get really honest with her and she calls me on my shit if she needs to or she sits in compassion and holds space for me while I grieve, whatever it is that month <laughs> in that season, in that moment. Um, and I meditate and I practice yoga and I go on hikes and I um, am really, I've recently I've become more and more aware of 
how what I'm putting in my body is like food wise, drink wise is affecting how I get through the day. Yeah. And so that right now is a part of my work. It, but all of, all of the work I think is like this internal growing awareness of yourself and then the willingness to let that be changed by grace and compassion and kindness and love, not by shame, not by fear, not by self-deprecation, but just like there's this weird balance you come into the more you do it where it's like, yes, I'm a mess over here, but it's okay because I'm moving into growth and healing and I've embraced enough humility to receive it when it comes. And let me just tell you that I don't think that anybody ever gets to the point where they're not offended when they're called out on something. I don't think that's what humility is. I think humility is developing the skill to sit in that offense and then say, okay, maybe there is something here for me because everyone and everything is my teacher. So I'm going to search out what's mine here and I'm going to discard what's not. Yeah. Yeah. I love that because, you know, sometimes people, so I'm in a community that say progress, not perfection, and people kind of rest on their laurels with that, right? Because it's like, oh, well, I'm only human. Like, I'm not perfect, blah, blah, blah. Nobody is asking for that. I know right. you're human. I definitely am not confused that you're a god, <laughs> right? It's like, no. <laughs> um, no. That said... What I love is when people can just acknowledge their humanity um, and and let's just move forward, you know. So that takes – so the work also, it's not just about – it's not just about me but how I interact with you, right? So, um, you know, recognizing that we're a mess but that we are interested in moving forward from that, right? Because I cannot – like one of my best friends, like she always – like, if I say I'm a mess, she's like, yeah, but you're not the mess you used to be. And I love that because it's absolutely true. Like, yeah. who you were, and you, I'm, I'm referencing this because it came off of your podcast. You know, when you made a call to a friend, um, the friend was having um, a pedicure, and you were taught, like, who you were then in that moment, right? Remember that. Um, yeah. And I pray you always remember that moment. is different than who you are today. Because there's been a lot of reconciliation and there's been a lot of growth. There's been a lot of healing and there's been a lot of work and it hasn't been easy work, right? So effort is part of it and it's always going to be effort. It's always like anything worth having is going to take some effort. I don't think that I appreciate things that are just handed to me. And I don't mean this in the sense of government programming so if anyone's confused we're not talking about that (laughs) so I just want to encourage us to stay on the topic and I know I brought that up but as for clarification what I mean is I have been the recipient of a various number of scholarships in different arenas and I'm incredibly grateful and I will tell you when I have made decisions to either pay for something on a payment plan or whatever, I have really appreciated that thing because I've needed to sacrifice in order to make sure I get that payment every month, right? Mm -hmm. And not that I didn't appreciate scholarships. I did, but in a different way, you know? I appreciate the scholarship. it's a different sense of value, right? Like if you're, yeah, if you're putting into something, if you're having to give of yourself to something, you're going to value it more. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's like when people say the skin in the game, you know? Um, and that said, you know, it leads us, we're social justice people. So activism doesn't, I don't sleep from it. Like I might take a break from it, but it's, it's part of my fiber. It's how I was born and raised, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. and so when someone needs something, I hope that I can be helpful in that arena and help them, but also help empower them. Um, but there are so many different things that go into that. It's not an easy fix, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it. So there was a situation um, where I was actually just uh, <laughs> I was a sideline participant, and so <laughs> you had posted something um, that I actually 
the person I'm getting to know, I had actually shared with him what, um, what you had posted. And it was about a political leader making a decision that has an impact on other people, right? So it goes back to intent versus impact. So these are a couple words that you'll hear on Stephanie's podcast, you'll hear on my podcast, you'll hear hopefully in the in the in the sphere in in your daily walk or in your path, your journey. And it's like just because someone has an intention that's good doesn't mean that in, the impact it has on others is good. Right. And so what was interesting to me as I was reading the thread, mind you, friends, like, so Seth made this post and I mean, honestly, hours and hours later, like, I think it ended up being like 80 something comments, right? Mm-hmm. And that's good. You know, it's, it, it's good when people are engaged and people are learning things. Now, if people aren't learning things, that is, therein lies some of the issue, right? Um, yeah. And an ability to kind of step back. And so the la- the I did post one thing. I did not post throughout, um, but I did post a meditation that I actually recorded related to it. Um, and it was called Solitude and um, Silence, I think, um, about stepping back. And I know that there have been times in my life that I have been so entrenched. The boxing gloves are out. The earrings are getting are in my ear, right? <laughs> hold my earrings. Gina and I talked about that. I was like, hold my earrings, you know? Yeah. And I'm sitting there, and I'm pissed, right? And I'm locked and loaded, and I'm like, I'll wait, you know? And yeah. there's not the space of solitude and silence where you can't unring a bell that's been rung, right? So once I put something out there, it's out there. Um, same thing with not saying something because I've and I'm sure you've probably been in that situation where I've not said something that really needed to be said in that moment and then the moments pass and so then it's like kind of like and that's where the work has been helpful to me too to know when to speak up and speak out and create space or hold space for someone else and when to just be quiet like for me in that thread I did not need to interject myself because there were plenty of people that I agreed with that we're sharing space there and that we're we're speaking and so for me what I felt was necessary was for me not to participate in the thread at all I mean actively anyway um and sometimes we don't get that memo right <laughs> yeah it's- you know I, I would say to you like if you if you've yet to do the work like no shame on that but do That's the right. work you know but if you have yet to do it you are more likely to be brushed up against by terms like um, abuse or trigger or um, white privilege or even intent and impact. Like these, if you notice that you're flaring when people are saying these things, or if you notice that you're like unwilling to hear someone's perspective, like not to agree with it, but to hear it then that's a sign that some work needs to be done. Right. Like there's there's something at something that is at unrest within you and it hasn't yet learned how to see the world in a broader way right. and to see the differences in people and in perspectives and everyone's perspective is their reality, right? That is actually how they are seeing things. They're not lying to you about it, not all of them, some of them might be. But if you've not done the work, you're not going to be able to understand this language or what's behind it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, well, and that's the thing too. It's like, if someone's telling you something happened or something is going on with them, like, please just know that that's probably the case. Yeah. It's like in Washtenaw County where I currently reside, there is a campaign and so if you'll be like oh my god that we even have to have this but then the next thought will be probably like well i'm glad we have it you know so it is this campaign called start by believing and it is related to sexual assault oh, right god that makes me sad totally that there has to be a campaign like that 
Exactly. You know why, though? Right? Like, we know why. Because people don't believe survivors. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. That's the pro- That's the issue, right? And so I have, for myself, started to include that in all the areas. And so, especially when it comes to marginalized people, mm-hmm. I just start by believing. Like, if you yeah. say that something happened, I heard something absolutely horrific this morning. And I did pause. I did seek some direction and some stillness. And then I did spring into action because yeah. I was like, oh no, I believe this person, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and they need support. They need to know that what they said happened is important enough for me to participate in the process. Hopefully a healing process. Hopefully it comes out well, we'll see what happens. Um, but we need to start by believing and, and you're right about the being rubbed up against. Like I, in my classes, when I uh, lead a yoga class, I generally start with practitioner setting an intention and then they move on to someone that can benefit from their love and light, positive energy. And then they move on to their human sandpaper. <laughs> the, the people, the person or people that kind of rub them the wrong way. Because we always have someone. And generally, I find for me, and I'll hear what you think about that too afterwards, as like I find for me that the people that rub up against me the most are people that are very similar to me. Like they have traits that I have or used to have, right? Yeah. <laughs> that I see, you know, cause if I, if I spot it, I generally got it. Not in all situations, but a lot of times, like just the human condition. So yeah. it's something for me to take a look at. Like, why does this person irritate me so much? Mm-hmm. And I'm crystal clear. I know I irritate some, I don't want to say some people, but like I irritate at least one person in this group, right? And likely more. I'm just going to start with one. But You're like, like one that I know of. Exactly. You know who you are. My two friends that blocked me on Facebook, I know I irritated the hell yeah. out of them. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wait, sorry, not sorry about that, right? Yeah. Um. So, yeah, what do you think about like human sandpaper? Yeah, I think that a lot of times, like maybe it's not who you are right now, but who you've been in the past and you've done the work to transform that. So when you, when someone is living out that old pattern and they're rubbing up against you, it can be really irritating because you've worked really hard to change that pattern. And, and you know, it's almost like how, like in recovery, you know, that as like, you know, like a recovering alcoholic is never going to go like, work in a bar every night, you know, like, you know, you're putting yourself in a situation, right? So, I mean, you could, but you know what you're doing. You're making a decision to put yourself right in the line of making it harder for yourself. And so I think that sometimes some people really rub up against us because they're almost like the thing we've recovered from and we're not yet in a place and maybe never will be in a place where it's healthy for us to interact with them like in a more intimate way I mean outside of just like being on the same planet together and maybe having the same friend circles or something but sometimes it is like a current thing too like sometimes I think we get irritated because they're reflecting something back to us that's happening in us right then and there or we sometimes I think we get rubbed up against by people because we're projecting onto them what we ourselves are doing. Right. And I've like from the outside I've watched that happen in some situations and it's almost funny if it weren't like so serious. Yeah. To see someone clearly participating in some kind of behavior and then accusing the other person of doing it. Right. And not and having no eyes to see themselves, you know, like it's almost laughable but it's not it's like not a funny situation but it is like that obvious if you're standing on the outside so I think that anytime you're rubbed up against that is an opportunity for you to step back and do some self-evaluation and like I recently I blogged about this um I think last week but recently I had to do that and I 
I knew that probably like 99% of what this person had said to me that was really hurtful and really honestly like a really mean thing to say to someone, I knew that like 99% of that was that other person's yeah. responsibility, but it's possible that 1% of it was true about me. And so I had a decision to make. I have had a decision to make in all the time that I've been like struggling with that. And it's either to completely shift all the blame onto that person and make it 100% about how they wronged me, which I feel like even in that situation, it would have been a valid thing to do. But if I did that, I wouldn't grow. Right. And what I would walk away with is resentment and not healing. Right. And so if I want healing, I have to choose to put myself by being willing to look really closely at myself. And like I said earlier, take what's yours and discard what's not. It's not ever an expectation that you take on something that isn't yours. That would be codependency. Right. And we have no desire to engage in that ever again. So it's not that. It's not saying, oh, sure, I'll take all the blame. It's being willing to step back and look at yourself before you look at someone else. Right. And then I think it gives you clearer eyes to look at the other person yeah. and to recognize why you're being brushed up against. What are they stepping on? Sometimes they're stepping on a really old wound that yep. it's valid what they've just done. Like that hurts, but they didn't originate that. That didn't come from them. They just stepped on it. Right. And so there's some healing that needs to be done that goes much further back before you can even begin to start to heal what just happened. Right. It's true. It's, it reminds me of some um, text where it talks about take the loss or the log out of your own eye before yeah. you help someone with a speck of dust. It's like, mm, you know what? I'm good. But you have a really big problem because you have a log in your eye. And I really don't yeah. trust that you can help me with this itty bitty speck. But once you do, you know, you may be able to be helpful. And I have to look at myself because I don't do it as much, um, honestly, because I recognize that I have so much work to do that I don't even have the bandwidth uh -huh. for what work you need to do. The only time it comes in front of me is if a closed mouth friend talks to me about something and asks my honest opinion. That would be one case scenario. The second yeah. case is someone who hasn't done work or is in the process and they kind of step on my toes um, and like what I have to do to kind of get around that. And, yeah. you know, it happened to me recently um, where a friend was um, saying some things that I didn't necessarily agree with to me, kind of about me, and mistook what I had posted. I had posted something um, and it turned into this thing, you know, and... And it's really sad how it devolved and um, we have yet to discuss it. So I'm not going to go into too much detail. However, I will say that I have closed my friends in which I was able to confide and chat about this and kind of process. Um, so that's another part of the work for me. And I know for you, Stephanie, um, we often process together, but we also process apart from one another, you know, in other circles. And I mean, we have, a lot of people who are similar in common with us, but um, some differences too. And so processing with a closed mouth friend or loved one can be really powerful um, because we all do have blind spots. And so recognition of the blind spot and recognizing that I don't know at all and I'm often wrong. And so I say that in jest because it's like, or I could just be wrong, you know, maybe yeah. Maybe I'm not seeing this the way that I, maybe it's not happening the way that I think it is. Um, and again, this is not to say that I don't start by believing, you know, anyone yeah. that is going to talk to me, most people have found that many of us are supportive people, right? And so um, I'm going to hear the entire story and we can go from there. Um, it also might look like, do you even want feedback? Like, do you want to... <laughs> Or are you just venting? You know, that's, yeah. that's part of the work for me because I don't just launch into fixing everyone's problem. Like, I recognize that I, I don't know it all, and that might not be my role today. My role might just be to, to listen and not have an opinion um, and 
kind of just go from there, um, which is a beautiful thing. Like to know or recognize like my side of the street and your side of the street and be able yeah. to stay on my road and not feel compelled. We talked about this a little bit when I was on your podcast. Like, so Stephanie wrote this side in her first podcast. Like, you need to back it up all the way, right? Um, back it up, you know. So sometimes there is a, a desire to kind of get out of your lane and get in someone's lane to be helpful or what you think is helpful. Yeah. And it may actually not be helpful. It may actually be detrimental to that relationship. Um, so it's important to kind of take a look and have that honest assessment, um, and that sober judgment to say, okay, what, cause the work can be to not do, you know, that could be part of, yeah. depending on where, from where we come, right. We all have some sort of trauma, um, and that trauma stays in the body and that's how we react instead of responding. And so... Yeah. I do great amounts of work and do a lot of effort so that my I am able to respond instead of react. Because when I react, it's not. It's not pretty. No, it's not pretty at all. Um, but I can say because of the last 10 years, and I would say even, I would say the last several months and maybe the last year, the number of incidents of reaction compared to response Mm -hmm. has improved right yeah and so that's the beauty and you and friends when you're doing the work oftentimes your friends see it before you do yeah. we're sometimes the last to know and like a good friend will tell you oh my goodness you know you used to do this and I have not seen you do this in such a long time and I just wanted to let you know I think it's such a beautiful thing whatever you're doing keep it up People have said stuff like that to me. I've said it to people because I like to acknowledge when I see changes, like beautiful changes and transformations in people. Sister wife, really quick. Yes. I feel like one of two things is happening. Yeah. Either your microphone's brushing up against your shirt or you're having a lot of hard issues. No, I'm not doing either. <laughs> Then why is it doing that? I don't know. It's like so every now and then, just like so static. What's happening? Maybe I wonder. Maybe should I put on headphones at this point? I mean, we're getting close to probably. You don't even have headphones on. No, not right now. What is that? What is happening? We need. I don't know. We need to get your microphone. Oh my gosh, I know. Someone else told me that in my life, and he will laugh when he listens to this episode. <laughs> I'm like, every now and then it gets so static, and I'm like, wait, where'd you go? It happened with Gina's episode, too. It did? Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know what the stitch is, but... I don't know, but... Yeah, back on topic. Sorry, I'm that person who just took us off topic. No, it's all good. That's an important topic, <laughs> At first, I was like, is she just opening, like, a butterscotch candy or something? It sounded like that. Like, <laughs> like maybe you needed a cough drop or something. Right? No. Thank God the cough is gone. That was gone. Yes. Gosh. Thank God for that. Yeah, so, um, I think we had talked about this, like, when this happened, mm -hmm. and we were like, oh, yeah, this is a really good example of why we do the work. And so, like, a few weeks ago... I have a I have a nine year old son who this year decided to do a program at his school with like it's like the musical program and they put on performances at the mall and they put on a play and whatever and he's just so he's loved it so much he's had so much fun it's been so great and then like this weird thing happened a few weeks ago where I you know that how you have that fear every now and then like did I just text the wrong person right. or did and like did my phone accidentally like pocket call someone and they're hearing like I've felt that way in like my sessions with Gina as I'm like processing stuff like crap I hope I didn't accidentally call someone as I'm like right. dumping out all of my heart or my frustration or whatever it is so my son has like a GPS watch that lets him call me and it lets me call him and 
he had called me and left a message and I couldn't really hear the message, but I thought he said he was sick. And so when I was picking up my daughters, I thought, well, maybe he's sick and he's not going to stay for rehearsal today and he needs to come home. So I called him back and it's like his watch is a speakerphone and my phone is on speakerphone and he answered it, but he didn't say anything to me. I heard him ask his teacher, can I go to the bathroom and talk to my mom? And she clearly didn't know that I could hear everything that was on speakerphone or that I don't think she even realized I was on the phone. I think she thought he was wanting to just go call me. And she just started screaming at him, like so inappropriately, shaming him, yelling at him. Like I just sat there with my mouth open because I, I don't think I've ever heard anyone speak to a child like that. And it's my child, right? Like, and it's a teacher at his school. And so um, I kind of went into, like, I listened to it for a minute. I turned and looked at my daughter, like my eyes so big. And she was like, I told you she's mean. And I, like when your kid says mean teacher, you think like strict or firm or something. And you don't think that like that. I should have asked more questions when she said she was mean. And trust me, I will from here on out. But it was just like this really weird situation. And he told, I interrupted her to say, Judah, are you wanting to stay today? He said, yes. And I said, okay, I'm sorry that this happened. It's not your fault. I'm going to take care of it. And then I drove the girls home. But like, when I look back, I'm like, what I should have done is park my car and walk right into that school right then and there and be like, "Uh uh-uh. But I was in shock. I just didn't realize what happened. So I dropped my daughters off at home and then I called Chidema on my way back to the school. And I was like, I am so, like, I don't even know what to do right now. I just know, like, like, I'm like shaking. This is so horrible. And so she like gave me some good, um, like kind of like, you know, like how you have the friend who's the voice of reason, who's a little bit calmer than you are in the moment. Who's like, maybe you try saying this, right? Like, cause at the, in the moment, like I'm just like in like mama bear mode and I want to rush in. Right. And so I got to the school and I parked, I was going to just walk in and pull him out, but the school was locked cause it was after hours. And so I had to stand outside and wait. And then I waited for her. And even doing that, I knew this was a different version of me. This is not who I was 10 years ago or five years ago. I mean, in the past, I have had people like, um, I've had situations where I've had to stand up for my kids, but I knew like I was about to confront a woman I had never actually met. And I wasn't even remotely afraid to do that. I was ready for it. And I knew that was new in me because I don't really like conflict. I don't like, I don't like that. I don't like to have to like argue with someone. And she came out and we had a long conversation that was very frustrating. And she kept trying to deflect it. She kept trying to manipulate, spin it, turn it around. And even in that, I had this moment where I was like, the things that I've worked through, the things that I've gone through, the really hard situations I've been in have taught me how to deal with a manipulator, Right. have taught me what to do when someone's deflecting. And at this point, I am so much better at redirecting than she is at deflecting because I've had a lot of work around this and I've had a lot of practice. And it was like, I left that conversation not satisfied because she she just could not even get herself to a space of acknowledgement. But I left knowing everything I needed to say. I left nothing unsaid. Every time she tried to manipulate it, I would call it right then and there, like right there. I didn't, I wasn't worried about being polite is the thing, right? Like I, that wasn't the first thing on my mind. I don't want to offend her. Because I did not create the situation in which she would be offended, nor did my son. She did. She created that situation. And so being called on it was not even an act of, um, like, I did not create a space without peace. She did. And so to create peace again, I had to confront her. Otherwise, my son just sat, would just sit in the trauma. And it was very traumatic, like, very traumatic. He's still kind of processing it and reeling from it. And I um, I said to Jadima later, when I called her later that night, I was like, here's the thing about this though. Like, this is why 
I do the work. Yep. It's because if not, I have nothing better to hand my children. Yeah. And I don't, and I didn't say I was firm with this woman, but I didn't swear at her. I didn't throw stones at her. I didn't give her anything to use ever against me or against my son later on. I stayed really on topic. I stayed really clear. I stayed really firm. I stayed really honest, but I didn't cross any lines, which as a mama, when someone has like really wounded your child, that's probably a hard thing to do really to, to not lose it a little bit. (laughs) So, but I had said to Jadima, this is why I do the work. This is what the work is about. It's for times like these. And it also really like gave me a really clear, this is also exactly why I live life as an activist. This is why I say things when I see marginalized people being oppressed, when a certain political leader says or does something that is in any way harmful to humanity, to maybe even a smaller portion of humanity. Because if there was no one there to defend my son, he would have just lived that and sat in it and held it and been told it was his fault and he was wrong. And that would have been that. And there has to be someone with more privilege who can stand up and say no. And literally what I did with this woman was say to her, What I need from you is an apology to his face, to him, not to me, to him. I need an acknowledgement that what you did was wrong, and I need an assurance that it will never happen again. And I feel like that's exactly what we do when we're standing up for marginalized people, is we're saying we need an apology to them, not to me. You didn't wrong me. You wronged them. Mm -hmm. Apology to them. We need the acknowledgement that you did something wrong and we need an assurance that you're not going to do it again. Those are the things we need to move forward as a healthy community, as humanity. If those things don't happen, then we still have a problem. And me saying, no, we still have a problem is not what creates the problem. (laughs) Like the problem is there because that is not being done. And so often we get told, both you and I, Chi, that when we're holding that line that we are the ones creating division yep. or that we're the ones creating a problem. But we know this to be true, that we did not create this problem. We are simply holding the line of refusing to allow it to be covered over and allowing people to be further abused or marginalized or oppressed. And even if, like my husband had said about that situation, he was like, the really alarming thing is that you just got a glimpse into what she does when no one else is around, when there's no other adults there. That's the alarming thing, right? Like you, right now in America, we're getting a glimpse into what's been happening under the surface all along. If like me, you're white and you didn't have, like you have some semblance of privilege and you didn't really know what was going on, that racism was so rampant that uh, black men and boys are being killed simply for the color of their skin because they're in some way deemed threatening, if you didn't know that was happening, right now, it's like you're on that speakerphone listening in. And you've got to decide what to do with that. Are you going to just like be like, well, I don't want to cause upheaval, so I'm just going to ignore it and keep moving on with life? Or are you going to stand up for people who matter and who aren't being listened to, who are being shouted over? Are you going to do something to be a part of holding that line? Because that is what creates peace. It's just that we have to work for it. It doesn't just come to us. We have to work for it. We have to create it by standing up for each other. Yep. It's, It's so, so true. Because when I write stuff, when I post stuff on social media, when I send emails, sometimes I'll do a double check with someone else. Just took like a set of a second set of eyes and never hurts anything to ensure that I'm putting my best foot forward for the best possible outcome. And, um, there was something that happened actually similar to your story about sweet Judah and in a work scenario, a colleague thought they were emailing their boss and really they were emailing me. Oh no. Oh yes, girl. And so, what they said was not complimentary to me at all. In fact, they questioned my motives. Um, uh, and they were 
pretty disrespectful, if I'm honest. And so I, my heart was racing. <laughs> yeah. And I had to be calm and calm down a little bit and gather myself. And so I knew that it needed to be responded to today, Friday, 5 p.m. Like it had, it had ah. to happen in the moment. Um, but I had to get calm pretty quickly. Right. And yeah. so I prayed and I was still, and then I was like, okay. Cause sometimes I'm like divine, your words, my mouth. That's the shortest prayer that I know besides divine. And then it just kind of happened. So I responded to the email and I said, um, so I'm not sure that you intended to send this to me. That said, I will go ahead and respond to your concerns. And then I said, so I'm not clear why this is a concern, um, but I did because they had made two points. And so I had two points in response. And I said, I just called your office because I knew that actually talking on the phone would be even better than responding to the email. Yeah. Right. And so I did that first. And when they were not available, I then responded via email. And I said, so I hope this clears things up. Um, and as I mentioned to your boss, whom I'm working with, this is why, you know, I reached out to the people I reached out to. And so they responded back, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. It was not intended for you. I am so embarrassed. I can't apologize enough. And so at least they had the, the wherewithal to have some, you know, embarrassment on their part. And that's it. So then this is where the work carries through, right? So it's to your point of saying what you mean without saying it mean, even if what people think is mean, it's really not mean. You were just clear with that teacher. There was nothing mean about what you said. You just were clear, right? Um, yeah. And you said exactly what you needed to say. Yeah. Same thing with this email. And so the next piece was I had an opportunity to graciously accept the apology, right? Mm -hmm. I did not make it worse. I did not drag it out. What I needed to do at that point, because the apology was genuine. From what I could t gather, it was genuine. So I just roll with that. Um, was that I got to say, you know what, of course, I will graciously accept your apology. Things happen. I know that I have stuck my foot not only in my mouth, but all the way down my throat. So I am clear that I am not the perfect one, right? So I have to extend or I get an opportunity to extend grace and mercy to others as it's been extended to me. Because if I apologize to you for something that I've done and you turn your back on me, Steph, and we're like, no, you know, and I'm not saying there are certain instances where I will accept an apology, but I really want nothing to do with you. Yeah. Because you're not a safe person. This is not a good relationship, and I really have no desire in moving forward. Yeah. That That is a thing, and that's an acceptable thing. Oh, that can be really healthy. Right. Say, yes, and now I'm moving on. Exactly. Like, accepting an apology or forgiving someone has nothing to do with being in relationship with them. Exactly. Um, and so I did accept the apology, and I and I'm, I said something else, and then I just said, kind of said, enjoy your weekend, you know. So it's all good. Um, but it was, it was a, another lesson for me, you know, mm -hmm. to stay on track with my own personal spiritual development, like yeah. just keep doing the work because it's not work that's said and done friends. Like it, this is not, oh, well, I've done it. I'm good now for the rest of my life. Oh no, because there will be opportunities for me to grow through experience. Right. And there will be more opportunities where I'm like, Oh, I haven't been here before. Like now what do I do? And usually yeah. the answer is pretty much always the same. It's like, say what you mean. Don't say it mean. So that yeah. whenever, if anyone did a screenshot of anything I post, even comments, right? If anyone did like, listen to my voicemail that I've left for someone, if anyone read my emails, I want them to see the work, even if they don't know what they're seeing. That is the desire. And it's not because I need people to look at me in a favorable way. This is not an optics issue. This is a, I want to be comfortable in my soul, in my skin. 
Like, I, I want peace, you know. I want freedom. Um, because when I'm not, then I'm bound. It has nothing yeah. to do with you. I'm the one who's bound. And then I'm sideways. And then y'all feel it. And it ain't yeah. cute, right? Um, yeah. And so I get to keep trudging, which means walk with purpose, and keep doing it alongside other people who are doing the work. And again, we talk about this. Um, Seth mentioned it. It's like, there is no shame if you are not ready or willing or both. Okay. Yeah. You may find, though, that you keep circling the drain. You might find that you continue to see the same things with different people. It's like when it's like when your friend dates the same person just with different names and different jobs, right? Oh, and different faces. And you're like, "Oh my gosh, we've been here before. Mm-hmm. How do they not get <laughs> Yeah. They've already totally. dated this or when, person. Or when you are that friend? Oh my right? gosh, totally. <laughs> And you're like, oh my goodness, why? Yeah. Why us again? So anyway, any last minute thoughts, Steph? Anything? I mean, I feel like we covered a pretty broad range here. Yeah, we did. I just, I maybe I would just want to like encourage everyone. Yeah. Because if you've yet to do the work and it seems daunting, I just want you to know that it's worth it. That it's hard and it's deep and it's excavating, but it's worth it because there's so there's such an opportunity to live freely and lightly on the other side yeah. of it. And if you're in it now and you're tired and you you're just worn out, I want to encourage you too because I really believe that the rhythm of di- divine love is like work, rest, work, rest, yeah. work, rest. And so don't be ashamed of taking time to rest when you need to. That's actually a part of the work and it's super necessary. So I wouldn't like there are times where like I had like maybe a month or two with Gina where I was like, I'm just so tired. And so she gave me a lot of permission to kind of check out of some hard situations in my life. So I kept doing the work, but I didn't continually expose myself to what was triggering me or, you know, I just drew some hard boundaries to kind of give myself some more space. So really, I just, I feel like every human being is called to the work. Mm -hmm. Everyone is made for the work because it really is about returning to your truest identity that you were born into, that it's your birthright. It was handed to you. It's who you truly are. And you just lost sight of it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you've built up calluses maybe that tell you that you need to defend yourself against people. And so you live defensively, but that's not, that's not who you are. It's not what you're made for. And the work is just going to return you to peace. Right. That's all it's going to do. And so it's worth it. Totally. And one thing I would add also um, before we wrap up is that I have never, and Stephanie can jump in on this too. I have never done this work by myself meaning yeah I do it alongside other people closed mouth people that I know that the divine appointed into my life for this very reason and more and so while I have to do some of it by myself meaning the writing the reading you know um actually shifting and growing it's kind of like growing pains um and it's kind of awkward to grow in front of other people also. And especially in the advent of social media, it's like, I mean, some things that maybe I've posted or responded, although I wouldn't say, I mean, I can't, honestly, that's just not my thing. But some some posts I've had in the past, I will say, more so than recently, and it's not even been a lot, Have I'm just like embarrassed by, right? Just a few things. But even if it's not social media, like even things that I've said to people, I've been embarrassed by. Like I, I taught, I used to live with my brothers. Um, when I lived in Michigan before, um, I most recently returned and I was like, remember when I was such an asshole <laughs> they just, and they are just so gracious and they just smiled and shook their head. 
they know they remember Hopefully. right they remember but yeah. but they know that I'm no longer that person and so going too in depth to it into it it's probably not helpful you know mm-hmm. because I have made amends to them I have cleaned it up I have and the biggest cleanup is that I'm not that person anymore right yeah because I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry how many times have we heard I'm sorry yeah okay I don't want to hear that again. You you mentioned it on one of your podcast episodes. Like, mm-hmm. I am so tired of I'm sorry, right? What? So my life needs to be a reflection of that perpetual I'm sorry, right? I get to live a life that's different than what it looked like when I was doing those assholey things. Mm-hmm. And today it's not that way. And when it is, when I kind of relapse on the bad behavior, I clean it up pretty quickly. Because I don't love the way I feel, you know. That doesn't sit well with me. So it's like, oh, gosh, again. All right. It's okay. <laughs> we do it. So, so yeah. So you're not alone. Um, I will include in the show notes um, resources. Um, I'll include our friend Gina's um, information um, because she is someone that I also interviewed. And you can head over to Love Activist anywhere that you get podcasts because Stephanie had a conversation with Gina as well. Um, and she's pretty amazing. And, um, I will include some resources on recovery as well, because a lot of people find health, um, and peace and freedom in that arena. Um, and if there's anything, um, so friends that are listening, if you have any other resources that have been helpful to you, um, and I'll include the mending the soul that Stephanie um, told us about, a link to that in the show notes as well. Please email me at chidima at the type hippie.com. And Steph, how can we get in contact with you? Oh, she, you know what you didn't say? What? Stephanie is an amazing photographer. Oh. She didn't even freaking bring even... that up. I know. So I... <laughs> she is an amazing photographer. And if you need, if part of your work, okay, quick fun story because. We really do have to wrap up. So Stephanie does these things called freedom sessions. I don't know if they're still called that, but she had these things called freedom sessions and she would do them in different capacities. So different arenas, like you could just book directly with her or, um, through, um, a community in which we used to be a part. So I remember this one time and it was like our first time. This was when we first started getting to know each other. And so, um, she, I had booked a freedom session and I was like, "Mm, yeah, no, I'm not really feeling that free. So I got to let her know. So I told her, I was like, yeah, no, I'm not really feeling so free today. And so this is freedom from anything, friends, like any sort of recovery, um, freedom from body image, dysmorphia or disorder, you know, um, issues, anything really. Um, and so I was just like, yeah, no. I'm not going to do it. And she was like, well, you know, you can get free whenever you want to get free or something along those lines. And I was like, I don't really appreciate that. Comment, <laughs> if I'm honest, <laughs> I was like, I really don't like her dude, you know? And then, so we did it right. Because that's like this non-refundable deposit, even though she's totally grace, but you know what? Here's the thing too, friends. Like part of the work is recognizing your worth and, if you're being paid for a service, please get paid for the service. You know, yeah. we yeah. don't do discounts unless we really feel spirit led. And so, um, I was like, well, damn, I'm in it now. Right. Cause my money's tied in. And so we did it and it was such a healing thing for me. It was so beautiful for me. I'm so glad that I did it. And I was just like, okay, you know? Um, and so I encourage you, if you're in the Phoenix area, please connect with Steph about, um, any number of, photos um and I think her website is stephanie morris photography.com no it's stephanie m morris okay okay so everything's all on one page so stephanie m morris.com you can contact her directly there you can book her for any special event you have for um engagement photos for freedom sessions or individual sessions like anything um she does a lot of fitness and yoga um photography as well and so that was like, that was part of the work, right? It's like, okay, well, I can get free if I want to get free. And someone just planted the seed and now 
I'm going to freaking have to get free. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like such a good thing, you know? Um, So thanks so much, sister wife, for coming on. I really appreciate. um, Thanks for having me again. Yeah, totally. So let's jump into, oh, this guy looks fun. He's wearing, um, uh, what are those like French hats? Like a beret. I love it. Um, so he's sitting at a park in New York city. He says, I'm a neuroscience researcher. If you could give one piece of advice to a large group of people, what would it be? His response, listen to your inner voice. You're a scientist. Isn't inner voice a spiritual term? Bull S-H-I-T is what he says. You'll hear scientists talking about following their inner voice as much as you'd hear a musician or a priest. So how do you know which of your thoughts are your inner voice? All of them are. The question is, how much weight do you give them? How much authority do you give your own thoughts? Are you taking them seriously? Or are you sitting in front of the damn tube, letting other people tell you what to think? Oh, I like this. Studying the brain is like working in a toy store. Nothing could be more effing fun. What do you think is the greatest weakness of the brain? That's a lousy question. I'm not answering it. Why is it a lousy question? What do you want me to say? Road rage? That we get pissed and shoot people? That the newest parts of our brain should have been in the oven a little longer? How's that going to help you? If you ask a crappy question, you'll never get a decent answer. You need to ask smaller questions. Questions that give you a pathway to finding some pertinent information. The major advances in brain science don't come from asking crappy questions like what is consciousness? They come from microanalysis. They come from discovering pertinent information at the cellular level, which is perfect for what we just talked about because, right, like all of this is stuff. You get to go backwards to go forwards, friends, and you get to do it with someone else um, and find out, you know, the pertinent information at the cellular level. So, all right. This was so good. If you listen to Robcast. Raise your glass. Drink up. <laughs> so good. So good. So good. Okay. So I honor the place within you where the entire universe resides. I honor the place within you of love, of light, of truth, of peace. I honor the place within you where when you are in that place in you and I am in that place in me, there is only one of us. So friends, tell a friend about this episode and all the rest. Subscribe. Write a review if you feel compelled. Tell me what you think, Chidima at the typeahippie.com. And thanks as always for your love and support. Love and light. Have a gratitude filled day. My name is Chidima, also known as the Type A Hippie. Namaste.